Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from a very special guest speaker whom we're excited to have with us for this episode. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! A chauffeur had driven his chemistry professor, a well-noted speaker, to dinner after dinner and had heard the same canned speech again and again. So on this one time as they were headed for another gala dinner where his noted boss was to be the speaker, the chauffeur said, you know what, professor, I have heard this speech so many times, I think I could give it myself. And the professor said, no, you couldn't. He goes, no, I think I could. And the professor said, I'll bet you $100 you can't. And so the chauffeur said, you're on. And he pulled the limo over. They changed clothes. They got to this gala dinner. The chauffeur dressed in the tuxedo of the professor. The professor dressed in the uh, garb of the chauffeur. The chauffeur was introduced and brought to the head table and got up. And he made the speech and he nailed it. I mean, he gave it verbatim, and there was a standing ovation afterwards, and the MC came up and said, you know, we are so thrilled to have this noted person of resource, this great professor, and it's so great because he has spoken so quickly, we now have a time for questions and answers. <laughs> well, the chauffeur kind of looked dumbfounded for a few minutes, and then the first question came, and he looked, and he thought, and then he finally said, you know what? That question that you just asked may be the stupidest question I have ever heard. In fact, it is so simple, my chauffeur can answer it. <laughs> How many times have you heard the Christmas story? Which one of you could not get up here and tell it just like me? Mary's unexpected pregnancy, Joseph's perplexity, Caesar's tax, baby laid in a manger, visits by shepherds and wise men. We have all heard the story again and again. In fact, some of you could even ask, answer the tough questions about it. And that's okay, because I think there is tremendous value in knowing the facts and celebrating that which is traditional Christmas. But I also think we need to be careful that we not become so familiar with the Christmas story that we're no longer intrigued by it, that we no longer learn lessons from it and see the wonder in it. See, I think Christmas ought to be a balance between tradition and surprise. Some of you all do the same traditional things every year. You go to the same service, you uh, sing the same songs, uh, you open the presents maybe even at the same time, and that's okay. I think that's good because tradition gives us roots and gives us memory. But I also think the other part of Christmas that makes it so meaningful is the surprise, right? I mean, that's why we wrap presents. It's why our kids anticipate and look forward to Christmas morning. When all Christmas becomes predictable, it loses some of its appeal. And so for the next two weeks while I am here with you, I want us to look at this very familiar Christmas story, but try to experience some of the surprises that were there originally. Because I believe in seeing the surprises in this timeless story will teach us some relevant truths about our relationship with God. Next week, we're going to talk about the surprising birth and the way that went down. You see, the people during that time expected a Messiah. They expected a Savior, a one to come. But when the situation happened, it happened so differently and in such a different manner than they expected that most of them missed it. But I want to start this morning by looking at the people that God picked to be the eyewitnesses of the Christ child, the shepherds. 
The story's very familiar to us. After all, we just sang about them a few months, moments ago. And if you have a nativity scene, you have probably placed them in it. But let's be careful not to just skim over this incident without carefully examining the wonder of it. Because I believe that there is a message here about how our search for God can bring hope for our lives. The incident is found in Luke 2. It's kind of in the middle of the Bible, just after the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your devices, you can turn to Luke 2. If you don't have a Bible device, it's okay. We're going to have the scriptures up on the screen for you. But it's in Luke 2, and here is the first surprise. It's that God picked these shepherds at all. I mean, if you were God, would you pick the shepherds? I mean, why wouldn't you pick royalty, for example, to be the first ones to hear about the child's birth? Because after all, Jesus was said to be born the king of kings. Or why didn't the news media of the day hear about the birth of Christ first? I mean, what about the Jerusalem Gazette or the Bethlehem Banner? And don't you think the paparazzi would have loved to take some pictures of this birth? After all, hadn't the biblical evidence said that the Son of God would bring good news? And who better to disseminate good news than the media? Why these shepherds? <laughs> I mean, these are insignificant herders of animals that have absolutely no clout. Why do you pick them? Now, some might say, well, it's logical, because, I mean, after all, the angels came out at night, and the only ones there that had the opportunity to hear them were the shepherds, because they were out too. But I think we know it's deeper than that. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1.4 that long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. In other words, God had in mind sending Jesus into the world, don't miss this, even before he created mankind. You see, he knew we were going to sin. He knew we needed a Savior but he made us anyway. And the point is, every detail about Jesus' coming had been worked out beforehand, including his birth. That's exactly why Galatians 4th chapter and the 4th verse says this, When the set time had finally come, God sent his son. That means the selection of the shepherds was planned. They were not chosen by coincidence. But why? Well, as I look at it, I think there's probably at least two reasons why God chose to announce the birth of Jesus to shepherds. There's two symbols here that make this choice, I think, very meaningful. First of all, it showed Jesus' purpose in coming. See, Jesus came into the world, as John the Baptist announced, as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And those who were looking after lambs as a vocation would get to be the first ones to look upon this Lamb of God. You see, the reason that sheep were raised in Israel in that day was not for their wool or not for their meat, but the sheep in Israel were raised primarily for sacrifice. The Old Testament law had commanded that Jewish people regularly bring an animal to sacrifice at the temple, have it killed, and the blood sprinkled on the altar, which was a symbol that their sins would be forgiven. But God made it also very clear that the blood of animals was not sufficient to completely take away the sins of man. That that was just a type of the coming of the Messiah, the Savior, the One, who would be the ultimate sacrifice for their sin. So you see, when the Lamb of God was born, how beautiful a symbol it is to announce it to shepherds 
who were raising lambs to be sacrificed. And then secondly, when the shepherds were selected, I think God is showing his acceptance of all people. One of the things we need to understand in that day was that shepherds were considered to be the low class of the day. In fact, uh, it was not a very prestigious vocation. Nofel Staten, an author, points out that the shepherds were migrants who often kept the sheep, slept with the sheep, and smelled like them too. It wasn't a vocation that you wanted. In fact, no Israelite child ever wanted to grow up to keep sheep. They were low class, and no one wanted to associate with them, but God did. And he sent his angels to make a special appearance to them. Max Lucado writes, Unto the lowest God gave him his highest. Unto the neglected, God gave his attention. Unto the poor, God gave his riches. And I think that ought to remind us of a very important spiritual principle, that the good news of Jesus Christ is for everybody. It's for the poor, it's for the despised, for the uneducated, for the guilty, the rich, the intelligent. All should feel welcome, especially around those of us who say we are believers, and especially when they come through these doors. This is such an important principle for seeker and believer alike. Yes, the shepherds were poor and were unacceptable, but maybe that's why when Paul wrote to believers in Romans, the 12th chapter and the 16th verse, he said this, don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So I ask you, how do you react when the shepherds come into your life? How do you react when the shepherd comes in to these doors? What if they sit next to you and they're in rags or not, doesn't have polished manners or dressed provocatively? Do you snub them? Do you get away from them as soon as they can? Or are they not my kind of people? Or are you gracious enough to give them a warm greeting, strike up a conversation, help them know that they're accepted? If they're here, help them to know that you want them to return. Let's just make sure that when shepherds come around us, we make it evident that there is room for all because the gospel is always given in mindful of the cross and the ground is always level at the foot of the cross. Now, just as kind of an aside, I think the reverse is true too. Those who are well off shouldn't snub the poor, but those who don't have a lot of possessions shouldn't be intimidated by the rich either. I've heard that you should never be intimidated by the upper crust because the upper crust is just a bunch of crumbs held together by a little dough. <laughs> Remember, the poor shepherds were the first to hear about Jesus, but don't miss this, the wealthy wise men were chosen too. You see, hearing the good news of Jesus can never, can never depend on how much you have, but only depends on what kind of heart you bring. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, but it's also level at the manger, too. And then there's a second surprise, and that's the announcement by the angels. In Luke 2, in verse 9, it says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, we learn a lot about angels in the Christmas story because they had a large role in it. In Luke 1, an angel appears to Zacharias and says, you're going to be the father of John the Baptist who's going to announce the coming of Jesus. An angel tells Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream, reassuring him that Mary's pregnancy was of the Holy Spirit. Here in Luke 2, an angel suddenly appears to the shepherds 
And then there is a host of angels that join him. Verse 13, it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God. And then in Matthew 2, after the wise men had visited, an angel appears to Joseph, telling him to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt because Herod wants to kill all the male babies in Bethlehem. See, from the first book of Genesis, where the angels are placed to block the entrance to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, angels are very prevalent in God's plan. But don't you think for the shepherds to be involved in that plan, especially with angels like this, was surprising? <laughs> I mean, here they are in the dark of night and the angels appear. But not only was their appearance a surprise, I think what the angels said was unexpected. Well, the first part was expected because the first thing the angel said is, do not be afraid. <laughs> right. <laughs> Here you are in the deepest, darkest night, and all of a sudden, super beings pop into the sky and talk to you, and you're not supposed to be afraid? Have you ever seen an animal or been around a little child that's afraid? What do you do when, when you come up to them? You kind of move slowly, and what do you say? It's okay. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you. And that's kind of the picture I see here is these supernatural angels appear to the lowly shepherds. The guys are terrified. And so the angel says, don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you. It's okay. And then, secondly, he said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Now, I don't know about you, but that's always puzzling to me because most of the time, sudden news is always bad news, not good news. Right? When the telephone rings at 3 a.m. in the morning, do you get up quickly and answer and say, Woohoo, got a call, must be something good? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> if the phone rings at 3 in the morning, you're, I'm sure, like me, like, uh oh, what's wrong? Or we get those amber alerts, you know, that blow up our phones with the loud noise. Or back in the old days when on television we interrupt this program with a special news bulletin. Anytime you hear those kind of things, you don't think it's good news. You think, oh my goodness, a child's been kidnapped. Or you brace yourself for an earthquake or an air disaster. But here, the angel abruptly interrupted the shepherds to bring good news. And it was good news that will cause great Joy. Get that phrase. Great joy. By the way, believers, I really believe that the church ought to be a place full of smiles and laughter and joy. If there is anyone that should be joy-filled, it's those of us who have received and accepted this good news of great joy. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it should be a shallow joy. The church isn't a, a comedy club. But our joy comes from the knowledge that though we are sinners, Christ died for us. And no matter what our circumstances are, Jesus said in John 10, 15, 11, I want my joy. My joy should be in you. God wants us to be joy-filled. Parents, have you ever given your child that really anticipated and most of the time expensive gift? And when you watch them unwrap it or when you watch them come down the stairs to see it for the first time, you're, you're just looking forward so much to that great anticipation and that great surprise and that great reaction, right? I mean, if they open that present and go, huh, yeah, appreciate it. That's not the response that you want, right? You want some smiles. You want some glee, maybe even some squeals. Well, there ought to be joy in our hearts and on our faces, too, because there's good news that causes great joy. And what's the good news? 
It's that today, today a Savior has been born. Today? I wonder if the shepherds thought, are you talking about like now? Because you see, the people of that day had been looking for a Messiah for a long time. They knew a Savior was coming, but I would think the shepherds might go, you're kidding. It's today, you mean today, like right this moment. And then look how he's described. He's coming today, and it says a Savior has been born. You know, if the world would have needed more knowledge, the angel would have said, there's born to you an educator. Or if the world needed more wealth, they'd have said, there's born to you an economist. But what the world really desperately needs is forgiveness. And so he said, today is born to you a Savior. You know, it's surprising sometimes to many that it's not really something that they need to change their lives, but it's someone. Because you see, the announcement given so long ago to the shepherds is given again to us every time we read it. It's good news of great joy. Our Savior is born, and he is still Christ the Lord. And here's the third surprise. You know, you can tell a lot about someone, a person who is involved in an incident or especially involved in a crime by their reactions. I was a police officer for well over a decade in the 70s and 80s and a detective for the last four years of that tenure. And I can tell you personally, often as an investigator, someone who actually saw the suspected perpetrator before the crime would often say, you know what? Looking back now, they just acted a little differently than normal. Or right before the criminal incident, they might go, you know what, they were nervous. Or they were just acting guilty about something before they even did that. And often it's a perpetrator himself. His reaction is pride, and so he can't keep his mouth shut, and that's why he gets caught. But you can tell a lot about reactions and a lot about people by their reactions. And that's the last surprise I want us to see, the reactions of these shepherds. You see, as soon as the announcement of the angels had died on the air, these shepherds did two things that I think we'd expect them to do. And one thing that's kind of surprising. One of the things that you'd expect them to do is that they examined the evidence personally. Verse 15 of Luke 2. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's see if we can get somebody to go check that out. Not what they said. Or... You know, when we get the opportunity, let's check that out. But right now, oh my goodness, we have got to get these sheep settled down. The angels have drove them bananas. <laughs> Not what they said. It says in Luke 2, verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said, let's, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You see, they investigated the claims for themselves, and that investigation led to verification. They found the baby just as the angel had said, and subsequently, it led to their own personal conviction. And then the second predictable reaction of these shepherds was that they shared their discovery. In Luke 2, verse 17, it says, When they, talking about the shepherds, had seen him, talking about the Christ child, they spread the word concerning what had been been told them about this child. You see, Christmas is more than a celebration. Christmas is a proclamation. The shepherds were so excited about hearing from the angel and then seeing Jesus that they just automatically shared it wherever they went. And that's completely natural. We all talk about the things that excite us. Hey, did you know 
the Braves won the World Series. <laughs> did, did you know I, I got the promotion that we were praying for? Hey, we're pregnant. <laughs> when you have good news, you share it. And that's all that outreach really is, is sharing. Just people talking about what they've seen and heard, what they're experiencing in their life, and that goes for the church too. You know, I, I'm going to church. I'm really getting a lot out of it. Or I, I'm meeting some new people and deepening some relationships in my small group. Or, or I'm seeing some of my family really grow since they came to this church. And then verse 18 adds, all were amazed... All were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then, there's this one thing they did that I find to be unexpected. Verse 20. It says, the shepherds returned. Returned? R returned to what? R returned where? They returned to their sheep. They returned to staying up half the night. They returned to their routine. Does that surprise you? <laughs> It does me. I mean, wouldn't you expect seeing supernatural beings like angels and then seeing the Son of God that they'd leave their flocks and go out and like start a church or become a full-time preacher or a missionary? I mean, they just saw what the angels had told them they would see, the creator of the universe as a baby. But no, they went back to what they were doing. In fact, the phrase in verse 20 it says glorifying and praising God is written in such a way that it means they continuously kept glorifying and praising God through the rest of their life. And here's the point of that reaction. Seeing Jesus didn't change all the circumstances in their lives, but everyone they met could tell they were different from what happened to them on that night so long ago because they shared it. And that brings us to the truth that I really want you to take home today. Oh, don't forget the principle of accepting all people regardless of their status. Don't forget that the announcement of the angels was good news of great joy. But here's the truth of this incident that I would really like to hone in on, and I think it is so relevant to us, and it's this. Most often, finding God is not an accident, but is a matter of earnestly seeking him. Most often, Finding God is not an accident, but it is a matter of earnestly seeking him. You see, sometimes we have this misconception that if God is really out there, that he'll reveal himself in some dramatic fashion, you know, like the angels popping out of the sky or a lightning bolt or a handwriting on the clouds or a text from God. And some will even say, you know what, I'll, I'll believe in the Almighty if they'll show up like that, if they'll do something dramatic, then I'll get serious about this God thing. But if that's your thinking, I just need to lovingly tell you that that's just not the way it usually happens. Oh, sometimes God reveals himself that way. I mean, after all, he is supernatural. But most of the time, God responds because you seek him. Sometimes I will hear people say, you know, I just don't know if this whole Christianity stuff is all it's cracked up to be. I mean, there's so much confusion and so much division, and I'd have to go, yeah, you're right. Or they'll say, you know, I don't know whether I believe that the Bible is God's actual words or, or whether it's just a good book with some neat stories. I, I get it. But here's the part I have trouble with that I don't get. Oftentimes, these are the same people that refuse to investigate it. 
They don't go to church except for maybe Christmas, Easter. They never really study the Bible to check out the facts. They just go through life wondering. What I would like to ask and do when I have the chance is simply, what if this is true? Wouldn't it be worth at least a serious investigation? Hear me, please. If you want real meaning and fulfillment in your life, then investigate this for yourself. Ask the questions you need to ask. Get a Bible if you don't have one. If you can't afford one, I bet you this church would give you one and start reading it. The late Charles Colson, who is one of President Richard Nixon's aides, who was arrested during the Watergate scandals, before that arrest, he described himself as kind of a quasi-believer. You know, he, he, was, he was kind of in on the God thing, but not really. He kind of believed, but he just wasn't sold out. But after his arrest, like happens sometimes to some people, he, he hit rock bottom. And when he did, in his words in his own book called Born Again, he wrote this. In my desperation, I took a notepad and a Bible into my cell, and I began investigating God. And you know what happened? Like those shepherds whose investigations led to verification, he found out that what he had been missing in his life was not power, it was not prestige, it was not possessions, it was a person, Jesus Christ. And he became an influential sold-out believer. In fact, he founded a ministry called Prison Fellowship that it serves in prison people around the world. And I want you to know this morning, you can find meaning too. You can learn that this whole time, God has just been waiting for you to seek him. Jeremiah wrote this in Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. James, the brother of Jesus, said it this way. You draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. I really like the way the message says it. It says, surrender to God, and you'll find he's been there all the time. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you just need to surrender. I want to tell you, if you'll surrender to God, if you'll do that, you'll find like the shepherds, that investigation leads to verification and subsequently to personal conviction. You see, the God of all surprises is still announcing the greatest gift of all, forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternity with him. And today, Jesus says to you, I promise you, if you will seek me, that I will give you not a hopeless end, but an endless hope. And that, for certain, is good news of great joy. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.